What's up? Hello, hello. That Tom Brady guy is pretty good. Kid's got a future. Jesus. At what, 43 years old, just dropping dimes? Eight like seconds. That. Eight seconds. They, let they, that. Had, they had some stat today that just like, I, I mean, obviously, I know Tom Brady is great. It pains me to say this, but the best quarterback to ever play the game. But they, they had this stat there that I could not believe. He has been in the championship game 14 of his 21 seasons. Two-thirds of his career, mm-hmm. he's been in at least the conference title game. That is insane. That, yeah. <laughs> especially in an era where there were supposed to be no more dynasties right. because of you know salary, cap, salary caps yep. and like like I'm like I, I was stunned by that I was like what that <laughs> that doesn't make any sense in my brain like that nope nope and I think Joe Montana was second and he had been there seven times where's like Joe Montana from do you know. Uh, I think he's from like the Midwest. I think he's from near, near Indiana. Cause I think Notre Dame was like his home. Team, Only bring this up to twist the knife that Brady grew up in the backyard oh, of the Niners. Brady <laughs> his... and Roger. Yes. Oh, I'm yeah. aware. I forgot. They made a point on the pregame show today. They're, they were only 182 miles apart growing <laughs> up. And I was like, this stupid motherfuckers. Oh, both of them having Fuck a dream to play for the man. Niners growing up. And yeah. Oh, I mean, now I want to know where Joe Montana was from, because I, I, I think he's from I think he was from the Midwest, but oh no, he's uh, from Pennsylvania, so oh. more East Coast. Yeah, yeah. Such is life, Dave. Oh boy, such is life. So we are. Yeah, uh, well, I think I'm going to leave all that in. We get Stafford. Give it some Watson. I'll be happy. Give some context that we're, <laughs> we're recording the definitive. Wicker Park conversation <laughs> halftime of the <laughs> NFC Championship <laughs> game. <laughs> Is there a connection Look, there? Take precedent. <laughs> I mean, we're just trying to bring in all sorts of listeners, mm. whether you know you're a sports fan, I was or a movie fan, or both. Bring tossing them in. you the ball. Uh, you're triple covered uh, in this metaphor. Um, to try to make the case that Josh Hartnett is the Montana or Brady of his generation. Ooh. No. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. I love the original, obviously, L'Appartement. Um, and I love the director. Uh, Paul McGuigan is... I just... I can't wait. I hope I get to work with him again. Um, and uh, and I love Josh Harnett. Yeah, well, I got to take a cash Sure, out. he's a star. Yes. Uh, yes. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Can we say, is he like the Calvin Johnson? Isn't he one of those guys that like walked away from Hollywood? Yeah, but uh, Calvin Johnson was good. Ah, uh, here we go. Uh, and Josh Harnett All right. is not. <laughs> so, <laughs> welcome Mr. Negative, uh, Dave from a new podcast he's on here to try to promote this new venture that he and i have and with his rampant negativity uh, that'll never work but that's okay um <laughs> he's just here to talk football and hate on actors um who had the indecency of maybe knowing that they weren't good stepping away and still not good enough for dave that they stopped <laughs> yeah um so this new podcast uh, we should talk about that because uh, that's like that's the whole reason we're here right is to bump up this it's the only thing podcast. you care about you definitely don't care about these movies i'm <laughs> gathering 
certainly not. Um, so it's called Offscreen Death, uh, which is kind of a play on like, you know, there's all these movies you're supposed to see before you die. There's tons and tons of lists of the best movies Winter ever. Yeah. And that's my... And that's no. Uh, and that's my job to bring in the movies that you're supposed to see before you mm. die. That dire sense of negativity. That is me. And Mike will be there as well in order to kind of, you know, give us a little a little sweetness uh, to mm. go along with it. Like, here's some movies you can enjoy that aren't on any of those lists. Before you, you don't die. feel pressured to watch. Make your life yes, better before you die. Or yes, the flip side of this is it's just the uh, thousand one movies I've already watched before I will presumably <laughs> die. So less work for me. This was good. Pull you this off watch the shelf. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So the reason for um, because I can't really pull this into football territory, uh, though I try with Mr. Hartnett, is that your first selection on off-screen death was the 1960 Billy Wilder, The Apartment. So when you Google The Apartment movie, that is likely what you're going to get. But there is another one. It is a French film from 1996, uh, which is strange because on Sober Cinema, another podcast I do, and I'm going to make sure you come on to do your you know promotional rounds on all of my various podcasts, uh, we have just started uh, a year-long uh, 1996, I guess, retrospective where we're just doing them week by week. But I assure you the apartment will probably not be on that list because I don't know <laughs> if it got released in the States in 96. I have I have no idea. Mostly trying to imagine your co-host sitting through uh, <laughs> sitting through that film and I'm having a difficult time imagining it. I don't know about sitting through it, but, you know, just to go there, uh, Monica Bellucci is in it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that might that might bring him in. That would bring you him gotta in. Gotta read some subtitles, but here you go, buddy. Here's the carrot. Right. <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, we'll just we'll just start off uh, there. So this version of the apartment that I've uh, roped David and talking about, I had no uh, knowledge of. I was just going through those lists of like you know remakes. and uh, just get to the end of it, trying to find content, and I see Wicker Park was a remake of a French film. And I'm like, well, um, either, you know, the producers of Wicker Park have no taste or we have committed yet another international atrocity <laughs> to, <laughs> to other filmmakers in other lands. And I think it's a little bit of both. Hold on one second. My pit bull has a comment. Would you like to say something? You want to say something? We're all listening. Come on, get up here. <laughs> Oh, what a lap dog. Yes, a uh, pit bull <laughs> that likes to lay in my lap and uh, contribute to the show. Uh, there is a doggy bed underneath the desk. Fuck that. Not uh, interested. Nope. I would rather snort and <laughs> snore directly into the microphone. So I'm seeing the you apartment. Must be heard. <laughs> the apartment, 1996. And I see that it's on, I think, iTunes for like five or six bucks. Not expensive. And I'm like, well, Dave's got time. Mm -hmm. He'll do this with me. But it also has uh, Vincent Cassell in it, who was in Black Swan, which we covered on a podcast directed by. Yes. Uh, I think, mm -hmm. was he in one of the Oceans movies, or am I mistaken? I feel like he's a French I, guy that has crossed over into right. various uh, sort of bigger American properties on film. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he is one of those guys. He's he's become like he's not necessarily a character actor, especially in 
in non-American films, but he's crossed over in that way where he's become one of those that guy actors. The French you guy. You know you've seen him in about five or... Th- yeah, he's like, that that swarthy French guy. That guy, yeah, bring him in here. It's not you a bad gig. This. If you can get uh, it, I, swarthy French guy. I think guy. Black Swan, it's gotta be his most well-known, right? I mean, I think that was... That yeah. was the big one for Vincent Cassidy. Yeah, when I was watching um, this with my wife, she said, "What? What is he from?" And I said, "You're probably thinking Black Swan." So I'm I'm uh, watching a half hour of The Apartment before I tap out. Uh, and when I say tap out, I just mean I I went to sleep because I started very late. It was one of those uh, I'm not watching this for the podcast. I'm just kind of curious what this is. Wicker Park mm-hmm. was apparently mm-hmm. a remake of something else. And, you know, it's late at night. Um, also, to get a little personal, <laughs> I tested positive for COVID. So my energy level is not high. And I'm like, whatever this French bullshit is, it can wait until tomorrow. And your patience level is probably a little bit lower. Yeah. Like, fuck it. <laughs> so I had this weird way of watching these, you know, for this podcast, where I attempt to go usually either chronological or if I've seen one before, let's say the remake, I'll just go ahead and get it out of the way first. Uh, and then go mm-hmm. to the new content as as the, the the last bit, the cherry on top there. <laughs> this time though, because I started this, uh, my wife, you know, was like, oh, "What were you watching last night?" And I'm like, "Wicker Park," uh, you know, the original. And she's like, "Wicker Park, what is that?" So I'm like, "Okay, let's put Wicker Park on." And I'll, and so then I end up watching like a half hour Wicker Park, and I'm like <laughs> caught up, <laughs> and I'm like, "Do I go back to the original?" Do I stick with the remake? It's because... like competing television shows. Yes. It's like 30 minute structure. I like it. Here's the thing, Dave, <laughs> other than some uh, stylistic choices that I did not like in Wicker Park, it's usually, it's like these strange transition scenes. Like they, it feels like they get a little bit too cute uh, for my, my taste. Plotting wise, I felt like both were equally ridiculous. So it's interesting that, uh, at least among French films, the the apartment is seen as some sort of modern classic, and Wicker Park is yet again, uh, I, you know, I was about to say American trash, but this is like an international production filmed in Canada. Mm. I yes. think it's a Scottish director. <laughs> like so, we're, you know, we're not going to take, we're not going to bear the the burden of Wicker Park. Uh, right. We will bear the we'll burden take like ten percent of uh, rampant uh, COVID nineteen <laughs> uh, positive cases. America's all over that. We'll t- we'll take that. Um, we got that so what okay so and you know in any of my reading i'm basically seeing the same thing like ah they butchered it they ruined it do you feel the same way because it's almost scene by scene the same sort of nonsense that you either kind of get swept up in or you find it all bullshit so i don't know if that just comes down to performances that people were charmed by Mm -hmm. one and not the other but what's, what's your take on this all right. So first off, um, before you presented this to me as mm. this is the, hey, we should do this. I had no idea that Wicker Park was not an original film. I watched it last year because uh, I went through I was just watching a bunch of Rose Byrne movies because she is wonderful and I'm in love with her. So I was like, well, let me just watch it. makes me deeply uncomfortable, by the way. And I, do you know that? That's fine. <laughs> I only <laughs> say this. Make you deeply I only say this because you came to visit um, before you actually moved uh-huh. to Lexington. Um, you know, pre-COVID, when you could actually go out and I mean, you, you basically moved from one shelter in place to the next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, we were watching because I know you you sat quietly uncomfortable with occasional giggles because I made the comparison that uh, Rose Byrne is often 
the closest uh, approximation of my wife on screen, not looks wise, because I don't look alike at all, <laughs> other than they're both white women, uh, but personality wise. Now, that being said, not Wicker Park, because Wicker Park is not the Roseburn modern kind of comedic yep. persona that I think people find you know very like they 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 have great affection for. Uh, but that sort of nervous energy of of hers is very much mm. my wife. Um, the reason I say you said they're kind of uh, quiet and uncomfortable <laughs> is because uh, I also made the um, probably the wrong time to say, yeah, I've never found myself like really sexually attracted to Roseburn immediately after saying, yeah, she reminds me a lot of my wife, but <laughs> two <laughs> different things. Like the woman I would have spent my life with, but yeah. <laughs> two very different things. You know, there's not a physical yeah. resemblance at all. Uh, so I say, that's why it makes me uncomfortable, Dave, because you're, you're now in love with Roseburn. Well, here's something. Here's something to make you a little more comfortable with it. The right. Roseburn I like is like the mean, cruel version of Roseburn. Not not, not so the nervous the energy that I like. like not the because I like yeah, uh, like instant the, family bridesmaids spy like that. Uh, my... Yeah, I like instant family. I like Juliet yeah. naked, where she's a nice person just trying to get by so, with not into that. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm not interested in nice nice gotcha. women. Okay, that is <laughs> my thing. So, uh, so I watched this and I thought it was pretty terrible um like boring and mm. weirdly hard to follow uh maybe just because it like didn't keep my attention not necessarily because the movie itself is super confusing i think but both of them like i are kind of caring. hard to follow well i i think the french one is easier to follow because they are willing to make their male star look silly um, when you do the flashbacks, you like, mm. like a weird hairstyle and he's clearly younger <laughs> and Josh Hartnett throughout his entire career looks like he's 14 years old. So you can't, there's not much you can do. So there were moments in this where I was like, wait, when are we? What is I actually brought this oh, up? Oh God, who cares? I, I'm, you know, my little pop-up video trivia, uh, during our, our, our COVID experience of just watching even more movies than what I normally do, which is excessive to say the least. Uh, I remember reading. Ages ago, Josh Hartnett refused hair and makeup, like don't touch my hair, and that he would also cut his own hair, which is you know he kind of has awkward haircuts. And my wife's like, yeah, I always thought he... that he's. Do you remember uh, him in the faculty? <laughs> it's this sort of weird. It's like I do almost yes. bullish cut that he's you know it just feels mm -hmm. like someone a kid took scissors, and so <laughs> applying that to your you know perpetually fourteen years old look. Uh, you know, he owns it, I guess. It's all him. He wants, he wants, <laughs> if you find him attractive, he did every bit of it. He cut his own hair. He's presenting himself the way he wants to. I will go the other way and say that I felt like if they had done this in an English language remake, critics would have been all over how stupid the main character is. Like, oh, you just put a wig on him to distinguish time. Oh. Like, just a silly wig is all it will take. See, this kind of ties into something that I was thinking about as I was watching this movie. Because as you mentioned, there's not many differences there's a difference i think in the ending it's um, pretty bad it's a but, pretty big change yeah. yeah yeah but all the way up till that like it's 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 almost shot for shot like where it's like okay yeah i've seen this before i know it's coming um and i think maybe audiences are more forgiving of non stereotypical american films with you know, big twists and rug pulls and makeup and like we we kind of there. I think there's different expectations for American films or English language films than there are for foreign films. Like we're like, well, maybe I just don't understand what it's like cinema in that country. So I'm just going to I'm just going to go with it. So you, I found it easier to just go with it, even though I was watching the foreign language one 
after I had seen so you knew all the Wicker twists Park and turns. twice now. Yeah. Well, until the very end. Yeah, I knew it was coming. And yet it was still it was still totally working for me. And some of that might be looking at Monica Bellucci. Uh, but uh, I I enjoyed my time with with the apartment as opposed to Wicker Park. Wicker Park was it was a struggle to get through the first time and the second time even more so. Like I was just like, oh, because I knew it wasn't going to be good. So, so it's just like, oh, here we go. Let's get through it. I I may just drop a clip here to absolve us of spoilers, but it's also one that if you have any interest in watching either, uh, you probably, uh, and if you haven't at this point, even if you saw trailers back in the day, I assume you've forgotten, like the trailer for Wicker Park. I think that's a safe bet. <laughs> I had. Uh, I, I don't remember why I chose not to see it. Much like you, maybe I was just like, oh, Josh Hartnett in a romance of some sort. Don't need it in my life. Um, right. But I went and was looking around for, as I often do after, you know, in preparation for a podcast, but also just my own curiosity as far as like, okay, so how was this received? What was the reaction? What was the talk when these things came out? Because I've got, you know, ample evidence that the apartment, you know, has just sort of grown in estimation. Because I don't think it was like a big, like, hit at the time. It didn't actually cross over to American audiences. Um, oh no! Where, but I think it did very well there, right? Right. Like it did very well in its home country, but it wasn't. It was one of those that a lot of like American cinephiles probably saw, and they were like, "Oh, this is so great!" And that's why eventually an American version of it got made because they're like, "Oh, this is a really good movie," but no, no real people in America have seen it, which so we can kind of do our probably thing. also contributed to you and I not knowing Wicker Park was some sort of you know attempted bastardization of the apartment because I I never heard any of that. Right. I just heard like, "Yeah, it wasn't very good." <laughs> like just skip it. Yeah, it sucks. Um, <laughs> I had problems with both, but I'll drop the trailer here for Wicker Park because I, you know, unfortunately, uh, it kind of gives up the whole the goods. It gives up what fun there is in, I guess, following along. Like, well, this is a strange predicament. It's a guy who, after being uh, living in another city for two years, comes back, and you get the impression that you know there's a reason more than professional that he left the city, and that's it's revealed that he had. Uh, a bad breakup with a girl who basically just abandons him without any sort of words. She just leaves him. And so it's just a big hole left in his life. From the moment Matt saw Lisa. You've been in love before, haven't you? Nothing else mattered. But for every passion... I know it's only been a couple of months, but I want to make my life with you. There is an obsession that goes unnoticed. Meet me tomorrow in Wicker Park. Have you seen Lisa? She's gone. She wouldn't have left without an explanation. Without some sort of letter or call. Something must have happened. Now, the search for the truth. I think I found Lisa. Will lure him deeper. I'm a friend of Lisa's. Is that supposed to be funny? I'm Lisa. And every discovery. She had the same name, same perfume, same shoe size. It's so hot. You don't know the whole story. Will become more deceiving than the next. What are you doing here? I'm watching you sleep. And in his pretty much like almost immediately coming back, he runs into a best friend in the English language version. That's Matthew Lillard, uh, which 
is a choice. <laughs> yeah, see, it, it's, I'm glad you brought him up, actually, because, I mean, I like Matthew Lillard, um, but, like, in very specific roles. Uh, like, I think he's great in things like Scream, but, like, him showing up here, I was like, oh, God, please make it stop. Like, I, I like cannot, I cannot deal with that. He's there to be the funny guy, but actually, the way the character is written is not really funny. He's a sounding no board. Jokes for his friend right. he's he's playing the typical best friend in like a rom-com even though this is not a comedy uh, where anything that our main character would keep to themselves or just be thinking in their head as they go over this failed romance just has a sounding board where he can just without a voiceover he can just basically speak in voiceover to another person on okay. screen yes. and so matthew lillard shows up and in the trailer for wicker park they really emphasize that Rose Byrne is this creeping presence that is lurking around all parties. And that plays very different from even the way they present it in the film, because it's very much like the original, where it's slowly revealed that she's been around. They even go to the extent that she's an actress. So when we see her, she's in full makeup, and then she has this sort of reveal that's like, oh, the woman that's dating Matthew Lillard in the American uh, version here, Rose Byrne, is also the woman that has somehow gotten involved with this woman of Lisa who's left our main character not the altar but at, <laughs> at Wicker Park I guess for for some reason and um, there is a little bit of fun in that uh, it, it does have that foreboding like huh she's got her finger in a lot of pies here and spoiler alert it's purposeful she knows exactly what she's doing it's not pure happenstance but it's also a lot it's a big ask from the audience that a lot of things just happen. Like Lisa just happens to come back. She is aware that Lisa is in proximity to her former lover and places a phone call to get her away, but also is leaving little clues to reinsert herself into this man's life that she had a crush from afar. And it's right. a lot of, it's a, <laughs> it is a George Costanza Seinfeld episode where he is, <laughs> you know, Vandalay Industries coming out of the toilet <laughs> pantsless. And it's right. played by Rose Byrne in the American version. And I, I'll just fully admit, Dave, I can pronounce uh, Vincent Cassell, Monica Bellucci. I cannot pronounce uh, Romaine. What is this? Is a is a French. I even tried to look her up and she has not had like, from according to YouTube, she has not had like an English language like talk show appearance. So I don't even have like a dumb yeah, American. Romaine Boehringer, Boehringer, um, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing we're butchering it. Those two characters are played very differently. That to me, that other than the ending, that's the biggest difference between the two. And I don't know if it's yes, um, you know, just the uh, a more French outlook on love. But she plays that very standoffish. When all the cards are on the table, she's just like, "Look, you were into it, dude. You know, I'm, I'm." I'm just mm -hmm. as good as her. And you know that. And it's just, right. <laughs> it is played like the Vincent Cassell version is like kicking around his head. Like, huh? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, could, I could go that <laughs> yeah. direction. I've pined for this Lisa uh, character who is the only one whose name remains unchanged in the two versions. But maybe. Whereas Wicker Park plays it like this is a great deception and the Rose Byrne version knows this. She's in tears when she reveals what she's done this man. Uh, she doesn't directly apologize, but she expresses her pain um, and knows that she will lose him. And that is ultimately how the ending changes, which is he goes back to find Lisa. It's easy to stand back and judge. 
don't know anything about this woman. I know that she has no conscience and no regard for anyone but herself. I mean, what else do I need to know? You make yourself into such a victim. Nobody made you be with her. I mean, you can't even see what a hypocrite you're being. I'm being a hypocrite. How am I being a hypocrite? Yes, you are. Explain this whoa, 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 to me, Alex. Oh, you guys, hey, relax. No, Luke, hey, hold on. Alex, I'd like you to explain to me how I'm being a hypocrite. Who's to say this woman hasn't been in love with you for a really long time? And now that she found you again, she wasn't about to let you go twice. What? Maybe the first time she saw you. Maybe she felt the way you did the first time you saw Lisa. You remember that? Love makes you do crazy things. Insane things. Things in a million years you never thought you'd see yourself do. There you are doing it. Can't help it. But in the original version, he goes back to his fiance, who's almost kind of forgotten. Poor... Uh, Don Draper's wife in Mad Men in the American version is just pretty much just kicked to the side. It's just a plot point at the beginning and at the very end is a, a roadblock for him to just drive through, drive right past. Yeah, that's actually that was actually one of my biggest issues um, with the American version, especially after seeing the French version is like this woman doesn't she doesn't like check up on him. She doesn't like there's no, you know, like he leaves supposedly leaves the country and there's like no discussion about any of this where at least in the French version, there's like a couple phone calls where he has to kind of continue the charade. Are there like, cell phones? You know, constantly is... in the 96 version. No, no. It's Cause all there are in 2004. Stuff, and while I know right. 2004 is still dramatically different than what it would be, you know, mm -hmm. six years later, uh, or especially now it's still yet again, it's something extra. It's an extra ask of the audience. As far as, you know, people just kind of right. wander through, you know, this is basically from what I read, the French version is a, a play on a Midsummer's Night's Dream where they, you know, people just kind of get mm -hmm. lost in infatuation and they're not really acting like a normal person. I don't think the way Wicker right. Park plays it, it has that sort of uh, fanciful sort of look at it, that sort of fairy tale quality that people are almost consumed by their passions. It instead just reads as if very dumb decision making by all involved. I've kept these two apart. Yeah, it's it's a lot of bad decision making. And as you mentioned, a lot of chance occurrences. Like one of the things you didn't mention, even just him going to the bathroom at the right time. Like that was, <laughs> you know, that was a part of all these happenstance mm -hmm. things that had to line up. And, you know, as much as I love Rose Byrne generally as an actor, like I think she's kind of wildly miscast here because um, she is especially at that point in her career, she was you know, much, much newer to, to film acting. And she seemed very innocent. Um, mm -hmm. And that's not what the character is uh, in the, in the text of the movie. So it like, it rings very, very false. Whereas the French version, say what you will about happenstance and crazy twists and turns and all that, it is kind of a thriller. So that's what they're going for. They seem to get the vibe of the movie that they're making much better than the American version does. Like, like they they're really making a, uh, go Diploma for it. And, and it's movie in the French version. Exactly. And exactly. Yes. This one is, uh, well, you know, not to get into sober cinema territory, but they're, uh, man, uh, the Max version of the character, not Josh Hartnett, 
he likes some big breasted women just like as as much yeah, as he, he can good man <laughs> so you have you know that that's not just to be crass but it's it is as you're saying leaning into the erotic thriller territory right uh where it's you know it's sexy and fun you see the allure for this guy whereas when josh hartnett doesn't find lisa but finds this strange woman living in her place that is the other lisa and they sleep together it's creepy and sad i don't i don't know if you remember uh um, right i think it's lily taylor in high fidelity i don't know if you have rewatched uh -huh. high fidelity as much as oh, i yeah. have but in that film john cusack Probably. is going back to, yes. <laughs> to to revisit all of the the women they either broke up with him uh or you know i guess he broke up with and uh he finds her uh in a very bad way one of his exes and she basically invites him in and he you know shirks away from it and he's in that film he does you know talk to the camera and he says, you know, that's, that wouldn't just be having sex with an ex. It would be like having sex with a whole like line of sad people, like, you know, and and you'd be having sex with their sadness. Like, and, and it's like, you know, there's some things you just don't, you just don't do, even if you're both single and you're both consenting to it. Right. Uh, it's poor form, uh, which is weird because the John Cusack character in high fidelity is not a nice guy. And it's like one of his rare moments where he makes an adult decision oh. to look out for <laughs> someone else, but also for himself. Uh, I will applaud Wicker Park that they keep the the plot where Josh Hartnett's version of the character still has sex with her. It's like, no, he is engaged. He still has someone in his life. But since he couldn't find one Lisa, he's like, well, this one will do. She's in the bed. She's naked. <laughs> but let's be real. Had, had the fiance not been Megan from Mad Men. Hmm. Would you have remembered that she was there at all? Like it's she's in like one scene mm. and then disappears until the end of the movie. So I think, you know, one of the things that I kept thinking while watching this is like for one second out of the canon, take out Brian De Palma. Americans are really bad at erotic thrillers. Like we are too chaste, we're too puritanical, we don't really go for it. Like you know, like French films do like, and this is the perfect example. I mean, the greatest erotic thrillers probably I can think of, even if they were made in America are not by American directors, right? Like Verhoeven comes to mind for sure. Um, but that's not an American director either. Like we're just pretty bad at it. I just I want to interrupt that's why here. The Palma what Dave is so popular. Dave is really requesting us more boobs on screen. That's that, I mean, yes, he's, he's yep. calling out international filmmakers, but there is, he's keeping something Absolutely. in his back poor pocket. Boy, poor dog, all of it. Just bring it. <laughs> like, that's what we're here for. We are here for a fantasy, especially when you're watching a thriller. Like, this is escapism. This is fun. This is me just handling all the twists and turns, because that's the kind of movie it is. And it feels like Wicker Park is never willing to really go for it. They're and to more... go either really sexy or really dark. They're leaning like, they more into have the guts the one lost love true romance type thing like that is uh, that was the one that got away yes. uh i do think i mean that's why obviously they changed the ending uh even though in this this version lisa's played by diane kruger i i, I don't ever get any of the chemistry with him and josh hartnett and I, you know I'll, to be fair i don't see much chemistry with vincent cassell or monica bellucci either i think that's why that film allows the alternate Lisa to have some allure to the character. I think it's, right, it's right. more questionable as far as this guy has talked a good game to his friends about the one that got away. But in the original <laughs> yeah. version, it's kind of revealed that he's like, do you even have a one? 
You know, was it just the fact that she right. just left you? Right. Is it, was there something? Because the flashbacks we see him, she attempts to get him to uh, get up and dance with her, and he's trying to read the paper. It's not like this, like great <laughs> romance. It's not Bridges of Madison County where he, he's clipped, right. just longing for Meryl Streep, just like looking in his rearview mirror. And so I like that there's a little bit more honesty in the French version. But uh, here's a side question. Mm -hmm. I don't think Wicker Park in 2004, uh, even though we would have been closer to the demographic, I would have been 20, 21 when that came out. So, you know, the marketing would have said, you know, maybe me, but I still think it skews a little bit younger and a little bit more naive. It feels like mm -hmm. it is a uh, you know, love story for like either the preteen or early teen set in a way. And it's always a little bit awkward when you have, especially on podcasts, two grown men being like, well, this <laughs> sucks. It's like, but also we were not the target audience. We were not, you know, the sausage factory. They were not thinking like, what's Mike and Dave going to think about Wicker Park? <laughs> They're probably thinking about people who think Josh Hartnett is very attractive and they want to see him get the girl at the end. The, the one girl that he actually loves, not this crazy Rose Byrne that Dave is so incensed about. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good point um here is my counterpoint to that i cannot imagine being someone who wants to make a movie watching the apartment the french the french film and thinking you know what this needs less sex and more just like chaste romance like how mm -hmm. boring do you have like if you watch that movie and you're thinking like oh she really is the one that got away like you have not been watching that movie very closely like what are you what are you on so it feels like it feels like someone whoever the screenwriter was like looking at this and going like oh we can make our own version and we can make it simpler and sweeter, but yet still have all the twists and turns. It's like they try to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah, they didn't and it really never really work. Simplify the structure of the story, which is God. All, no, they did not. <laughs> all manner of <laughs> I think you know, I think it dilutes whatever it is the romance uh is, probably by having, you know, not to pick on him, the best friend character in there. Uh by having this be uh -huh. someone that Yet again, through happenstance, is just dating the best friend. Now she becomes aware and she uses him to get information about this guy that she's pined for, you know, across as, as a neighbor to the real Lisa. But I I feel like it needs to be just a love triangle. In, in the version that they're trying to right. make in the American version, uh, Matthew Lillard is <laughs> just distracting. He has a very distracting face and the persona that he's built up for himself. Well, and at this point in his career, he's very hammy too. It's very over the top and it feels too comedic for this movie. On the other hand, he may be the only one having a genuine reaction of confusion and just ignorance to this. Sure. <laughs> Cause if someone, if this <laughs> like, happened to me, is going on and someone valid. tried to explain my role in it uh, without even understanding, I had a role in this conspiracy against Josh Hartnett. I probably would not be that far removed from Matthew Lillard's face. That would probably be something similar, as much as it pains me to say that I would probably have the same reactions. I would not be the cool guy <laughs> there. Um, but yeah, it's, that's the I worst thing. I think you'd thing. be doing a little less mugging than Matthew Lillard. Knowing you as I do, I think there'd be a little less. <laughs> I always hate, um, I mean, I you know me, I'm, I love swingers. Um, so I, I like the guy talk movies. Everybody wants some, all that stuff. But when it's done poorly, um, and it's it's something Ooh, you've said. It's painful. 
like in swingers where everybody wants some at times they make the, you know, the, the bros there look pretty stupid. I mean, that's, that is the culmination of swingers is that Vince Vaughn has been the know-it-all cool guy until he's the fucking idiot in the room until he totally misreads the situation. And he's got egg on his face. And I wish the film was a little bit harsher to Josh Hartnett in that way. Like you said, make him look silly as opposed to bring in Lillard. Let's slap Lillard around for being an, an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> the whipping boy yeah. of Wicker Park. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I think, you know, and I think this is true of most thrillers is they need a little bit of levity. Uh, and they chose to do it in a way here where they were just like, let's let this, jackass from scream ham it up instead of like bringing some of these people down to earth Hmm. to make it feel a little more real in a very unreal set of circumstances like you need you need that grounding here and there's none of it so like it's a movie that even though all these terrible things happen and these twists and turns it still weirdly feels like there are like no stakes whatsoever like, well, and I think a lot of it honestly can be tied back to his, you know, the girl he wants to get married to, like barely making a dent in this movie at all. I'll, I'll Whereas go like, back. if you just have a couple phone calls, it's like, okay, I have to think about what I'm doing. This is not just me off in a fantasy land where I'm not talking to my girlfriend. I'll, uh, yeah, a fantasy land where he just falls into bed with even, you know, more attractive women that have always wanted to be with uh, Josh Hartnett or Vincent Cassell. But to go back to the stakes. <laughs> <laughs> the original, the apartment, nineteen ninety six. They they actually follow through on this weird stalker subplot, which is the reason that Lisa is yeah. not in the uh, the apartment she's supposed to be in, but this other other Lisa is. Um, <laughs> I don't like that the American one, much like the fiance, just sort of drops that. As you're saying, they're just like once it becomes like we just need to get Josh Hartnett back with Diane Kruger. Fuck everything else, and let's cue <laughs> cue the scientist by Coldplay. Which boy does that does that put this in a a <laughs> time boy. capsule of you know pop music uh, in two thousand four? In the apartment, they follow through on this weird. Yeah, this guy's been stalking me. That's why I couldn't like be there uh, by having him blow Monica Bellucci the fuck up <laughs> by having an explosion. Dude, it is so dark. <laughs> I agree with you, Dave, that, you know, the American one keeps a lot of those balls in the air and then just lets them fall by the wayside when they're no longer interested in them, which begs the question, why didn't you just cut them out to begin with? I don't know if I feel that was totally deserving in the original version that that Lisa just gets blown up. (laughs) Destroyed. See, I think you've actually hit on something here, which is the reason when I watched The Apartment, I ended up liking it a lot more than I expected I would. Because, like, oh, I'm like, oh, Wicker Park was a remake of this. This probably sucks, too. So I went into it with this, like, negative attitude. But... All these things that got left in the air in Wicker Park, I was like, oh, they actually did it here. They actually followed through. Now Wicker Park makes a little bit more sense because I know what the source Hmm. material is. So I ended up having like a really good experience watching it until the very end where I was like, what? Like we went there. You saved yourself. Especially because I didn't think. Yeah, I didn't think Wicker Park was going to, like, make drastic changes, right? I'm like, when I found out it was a remake, I was like, oh, well, it's probably going to follow the same path. Maybe it'll be a little bit worse or a little bit better, but it's a remake, so it's going to follow that path. And then the ending happened in the apartment. I was like, whoa, whoa, what? I, did I, I, like, re, I, like, went back. I was like, did I, 
Did I, I did the same thing. Like, I, 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 I tapped <laughs> on my remote like, wait a minute. I dropped a scene here where this woman is going to be sent to her death by uh, a fiery explosion. Uh, I do prefer the version of this conversation where you're saying I was having a really good time when they just blew up Monica Blucci. I just thought that was fantastic. No, no. So fun. I would never. I would never. That beautiful Italian woman, never. She I feel is, like she's the she's most surprised. She's the most wasted character in the original version. Cuz I, th- I think she's just the, oh. the just the object of desire. She's the object. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. And uh yep. not that they do much more with the Diane Kruger version. Um but, you know, they <laughs> They don't kill her you know, for one, so that's right. that's she nice. She gets to live. <laughs> <laughs> I feel um, like the it, it's strange that they just decide to kill one of the, the leads in the original version because it seems like they absolve everyone else of their sins yeah. in a way, but Makes not her. Choice easy. Like, okay, I guess <laughs> I'm gonna go with her because uh, she's dead now. So I guess we're going this direction. Yeah. You know. And actually, it makes me think. Like, I think in a lot of ways, that's pretty indicative of Monica Bellucci's career. Is she has she is a very good actress who has been relegated in some ways to just the object mm. of desire. Uh, because she is so beautiful, so aesthetically pleasing. Like whether you're talking about this or a James Bond movie or whatever, she's become this like symbol of beauty. Or the she was in The Postman, right? Il Postino. I think that was like the first time she came to American audiences. And again, I, there it's a I romance, was thinking, uh, but she's the object of affection. Uh, the Matrix, right? She's the one that has the uh, the. Uh, I mean, that was later. The digital yes. orgasm on screen. Yes. <laughs> She does. Once again, <laughs> we're back. An explosion, yeah. but yeah. an explosion we like. <laughs> A better explosion, yes. Explosion where everyone is happy. We like that much better. <laughs> so, uh, on that note, subscribe to Offscreen Death. <laughs> this is this is what you can expect from Offscreen Death. Uh, so, I have been yeah, thinking. Subscribe to that podcast. I I have been thinking about uh, erotic thrillers and in, in that regard, and so I'm just going to surprise you uh, on this podcast and say that my my next pick because we've recorded two episodes, two full episodes. No, we've recorded one and a half because that trailer episode. One and a half. While yes. not a three-minute trailer, trailer, it's a long trailer, but I guess it's technically <laughs> not a full episode. But I've announced on that show the the next We're like film. a behind-the-scenes, like, making of HBO's first look at off-screen death. This is more what we do instead of trailers. It's, yeah, like me forced in a chair to talk for ten minutes about, you know, something. And right? I'd rather rather be finding weird movies that were the, the original premise of Wicker Park uh, during my COVID times. Jerk. <laughs> But on that note of erotic thrillers, I'm going to break to you what will be our third uh, film selection, because the the premise of that show is Dave picks one uh, in the month, and I tried to bounce off of it, and then uh, I get to to go again, and then he'll try to bounce off of that, then Dave will get to go again. So one of them sort of sets the sort of theme, and so we've already got our first theme, which was apartment-based, but I've been thinking a lot about erotic thrillers, because that's 90% of my time when I'm thinking movies. And I uh, I have tasked myself with my selections on that show being uh, less than well-received, at least initially, and maybe even still to this day. And uh, are you familiar with uh, a Diane Lane, Richard Gere movie called Unfaithful from 2002? You know, that, strangely enough, I'm I'm so interested that you brought this up, because 
the crux of the show in a lot of ways is like that list of shame, those movies mm. you've been meaning to watch for a mm -hmm. long time. And Unfaithful has been on that list for me. I've been wanting to watch that for a long time now, and I've never gotten around to it. So, no, I have not seen it, but I certainly know of it. Uh, and, you know, an erotic thriller with Diane Lane, sign me up. I'm ready to go. So it's from the director of Nine and a Half Weeks. So, you know, you're bringing up Verhoeven. Hey. So uh, I think it's uh, is it Adrian Lynn. Is that his name? Uh, Decent Proposal. That sounds dance. right. Um, where is he from? Yeah. Oh, he's an Englishman. So we lost another one. See? Just, just See? proving your point. Uh, <laughs> I even thought of doing it for this show, but because of, I guess, Worker Park, because there apparently is a 1960s, I think, French original. But, you know. Interesting. It's Diane Lane. What, what do I need? What the French have to offer from decades prior? Agreed. That's a good point. So that will yes. be our, uh, you know, our third episode on off-screen death, and then Dave will have to bounce off of that. So, you know, there you go. We'll we'll see if we'll you can go that. more erotic or less, <laughs> depending on how what AFI, Sight and Sound, uh, you know, a thousand one movies. Yeah, probably less. Let's be honest, it's <laughs> right. probably less. And you can uh, subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> like... They're all classy and shit. They're not interested <laughs> in getting down and dirty with Diane Lane and Richard Gere like we are. <laughs> it is at off-screen death. Beautiful. Look there. That's a woman. My God, just look at her. Affecting everyone around her. So obvious, so bourgeois, so boring. Watch, you see, I have sent her a dessert. A very special dessert. I wrote it myself. It starts so simply. Each line of the poem I'm creating a new effect, just like poetry. First, a rush. Heat, a heart flutters. You can see it now, yes? She does not understand why. Is it the wine? No. What is it then? What is the reason? And soon it does not matter. Soon the why and the reason are gone. And all that matters is the feeling itself. And this is the nature of we struggle against it, we fight to deny it, but it is, of course, pretends it is a lie. Beneath our poised appearance, the truth is we are completely out.